Welcome to the Sharp 600, brought to you by Covers.com. My name is Joe Fortenball. This is episode 136 of the podcast, your slightly delayed college football extravaganza. Thank you so much for being with us today. It is greatly appreciated. Brian Edwards, handicapper and pro better, set to join us in just a few moments. Slid into his DMs earlier this week. Asked if he could join us on short notice. Not only did he say yes, but the best thing about BE is he will immediately fire back with his favorite picks, those of which he will share with you in just a few moments. And he's always got one one game where you have to dig really deep to find the location, the mascots, any background information whatsoever. That will be coming up right around the corner. But it's a college football spectacular, so we begin with the upset alert. Upset alert now 2-2 two and two on the season after losing with the California Golden Bears last week. I guess that Joe Fortenball trend of attending Pac-12 games in which he bets is now a bust. One, the Stanford-USC game lost when I was in attendance for Cal. Golden Bear fans, if you want to call me a motion, put it on me. I'll take that one. Uh, today, this week specifically, we're going with the Florida Gators plus 2.5 over the LSU Tigers. Saturday, 3.30 Eastern, 12.30 Pacific, Ben Hill Griffin Stadium in Gainesville, Florida. Almost too quietly, Florida first-year head coach Dan Mullen has his Gators cooking to the tune of three straight wins and three straight point spread covers following that humiliating 27-16 loss to Kentucky back on September 8th. And we're not just talking about three straight wins. We're talking about three straight performances in which the Gators have held the opposition to just 12.7 points per game, while, mind you, winning by an average of 23.6 points per contest. LSU is off to a dream 5-0 start, but many in the industry are waiting for the bottom to fall out, and some of those individuals feel that the moment is coming Saturday in Gainesville. Take note that the home team has covered the number in five of the last seven meetings between these two schools. Look for a low-scoring affair as the Gators knock Ed O's Tigers from the ranks of the unbeaten. It wouldn't be a college football season without at least a handful of visits from our next guest. Handicapper and pro better. You can catch him at VegasInsider.com as well as on the Games Galore podcast. Follow him on Twitter at VegasBEdwards. Brian Edwards making his return to the Sharp 600. Brian, it's always a pleasure. How's life been treating you? I've been doing well, Joe. Thanks for having me. Well, it's always a pleasure. I appreciate the time. I'm going to start with this. How good is Alabama? I've been asking everyone this question because I'm wondering, by the end of this season, is it possible we're talking about this particular collection of talent as the greatest college football team of all time? Possible. It is possible, but we got to let the games play out. Things happen during a football season, injuries, suspensions, chemistry issues, et cetera. So let's let it play out. But my, oh, my, have they been impressive so far. <clears throat> and, you know, it's not even a conversation in terms of whether this is the best offense we've ever seen at Alabama and whether this is – I mean, he's never really even – I mean, I know Greg McElroy and A.J. McCarron, you know, hung around in the NFL and McCarron's still in the league. But And McCarron had an incredible career. But, I mean, this is by far, by miles and miles, their best quarterback of not just the Saban era, with apologies to Joe Namath as well. I mean, the best quarterback <laughs> they've ever had. And, um, you know, so, but they lay so many points, and Tua goes out so early. And I'm not putting it on Jalen Hurts, but their offensive philosophy changes. 
you know, in the second half when they're nursing 40, 50 point leads. So the way to bet them, and I, and I didn't really get on this until the third week Ole Miss game, is to bet them in the first quarter and the first half, which if you've done all season, you're undefeated with one push. They were minus seven in the first quarter against A&M and only ahead 14-7. And if you've done their team totals over for the first quarter, the first half in the game, now some books didn't even offer a first quarter team total last week against UL yet, but team totals, first quarter, first half in the game, have all gone over all year, and usually for the game on the team total over before two even goes out, and that's usually you know late second or early third quarter. I love it because a mutual friend of ours in Vegas, Jonathan Rice, a few years ago under Art Bryles, he turned me on to Baylor first halves. Baylor was a trendy team to bet, and then everyone figured it out, and then the lines got too big. But he was telling me behind the scenes, Baylor first halves are the way to go, and that's what we're seeing here. You were able to cash these Baylor first halves like every week before people caught on. So it doesn't surprise me in the least that that's what we're doing now with Alabama. That's a great nugget. Um One of the games I wanted to jump to, I know you were interested in, Stanford's laying five against Utah. This is a huge three-game stretch for the Cardinal. Two weeks ago, they're at Oregon. They pull that off late. Last week, they go to Notre Dame. They come up short. This week, they're going to host Utah in a Pac-12 showdown. Is there enough gas left in the tank to get by the Utes? Yeah, I mean, that was a tough spot last week. You know, you have that wild comeback win at Oregon. And then, you know, just seemingly getting on an airplane and flying across country just a couple of days later. And, you know, Notre Dame looks like a different offense with Ian Book. So um, I'm going to give Sanford a mulligan. I know we've got an ankle injury on Bryce Love, and he's questionable. But Cameron Cameron Scarlett and Trevor Spates are, are pretty decent backups. And, look, I've been wanting them to open up the offense anyway. I mean, they have got J.J. Arcega Whiteside. Uh, one of the best receivers in the country. Caden Smith, I believe, is the best tight end in the country. And I want them to throw the ball more anyway. So I'm not even that much concerned whether Love plays or not. I still like Stanford. And Utah's got issues on offense. They only scored 17 at NIU, and they had a pick six late in that game. So they really had 10 points of offense there. And then they scored seven and 24 and there are two other games against FBS competition. So I like Stanford minus five, whether Love plays or not. In the SEC, Auburn's laying three and a half at Mississippi State. I'm wondering about that number. Perhaps is it too low? Mississippi State is coming off back-to-back losses where they scored just a grand total of 13 points against Kentucky and Florida. So does Mississippi State get the offense going here, or is Auburn going to take advantage of a really bad offense? I think the the latter in Auburn's defense, which is very nasty. Now, Auburn's having its own offensive struggles. But, look, Nick Fitzgerald is all out of sorts right now, only 49.1% completion percentage for the year. They've only scored 13 points in the last two weeks, 202 yards against Florida, 201 yards against Kentucky. And that was only committing one turnover in eight quarters of play. It's not like they've been giving the ball over on turnovers to prevent them from yardage and points. Will not be surprised at all if Moorhead yanks it early, has a quick hook for Keaton Thompson, a very good backup who um, outplayed Lamar Jackson in the bowl game and led Mississippi State to a win last week. Auburn 7-4-1 against the spread as a road favorite on Gus Malzahn's watch. They're third in the nation in scoring D, giving up only 12.6 points per game, which is a bad recipe for Mississippi State with the way its offense is struggling. Auburn's won. 49-10 and 38-14 to 14 in the last two years of this rivalry. Auburn gets it done, and they they probably win by double digits, and Joe Moorhead starts to get very uncomfortable, albeit in season one and start, Bill. 
I'm not sure how serious I should take this trend this week, given the way Oklahoma has looked, but I know you know this. Red River shootout, Texas catching eight against Oklahoma. Texas head coach Tom Herman, going back to his offensive coordinator days at Ohio State in 2012, is now 13-4 and straight up and 16-1 and against the spread in the underdog role. So should I take that into account here against Oklahoma, or do you think possibly the books have this figured out as well and I wouldn't be getting a good price? I'm going to go to the latter again. I think the books are starting to figure it out. Now, I've been on Herman in a lot of those underdog roles, particularly that one on the money line, plus 600 on a Thursday or Friday night against uh, Louisville as last year at Houston. But um, I, I like Oklahoma here. Or I should say I lean Oklahoma here. I have not played it yet. I made Oklahoma 13. Lincoln Riley, I mean, it doesn't matter. You know, I had doubts about Kyler Murray's passing. I knew he was a great athlete and a great runner. But Lincoln Riley is showing his greatness as an offensive coach with Kyler Murray, you know, nearly playing as well as Mayfield did last year. I like uh, Oklahoma's offense a lot and love Lincoln Riley going back to his East Carolina days. I lean to the Sooners here. I don't know if you like anything in the Nebraska or Wisconsin game. Nebraska's catching 18 and a half at Camp Randall. Uh, I just was interested in what you thought about Scott Frost. Some feel he may be in over his head at Nebraska. I'm thinking pump the brakes and give the guy some time. He's trying to establish a culture that doesn't happen overnight. But so far, it's looked really bad. 0-4 straight up, 0-4 against the spread, and two weeks ago hammered in Ann Arbor against the Wolverines. Well, I, I'm, I'm confident that the fan base is, is fully behind him, and he's got plenty of time on this. I've been doing radio in Omaha for more than a decade, and I've got a few Nebraska uh, friends in the area where I live. They're, they're fully behind him. It, it, it's okay. They're, they're taking this year as a mulligan. Now, in terms of this game, look, Wisconsin has been one of the bigger disappointments in the country for me. I mean, obviously they're still in the mix really for everything, but I, that was a shocker losing to BYU. Now, you know, they lost Quintez Cephas, their best receiver, to a suspension early in the year, and he's still out. But Hornybrook has seemingly regressed. Their O-line has not been dominant like I thought they would be. I lean Wisconsin here, um, but it would be more going against Nebraska. I've been a little disappointed in the Badgers this season. LSU laying two and a half at Florida. The Gators near and dear to your heart. What do you make of this one? And I guess perhaps more specifically, do we owe Ed Orgeron, an apology, because he's got the Tigers cooking this season. He's done a great job, but you don't owe him an apology. He is just less miles, the hatter with a, hey, go Tigers, one team, one hockey, <laughs> you know, Cajun accent. I mean, he's, he's kind of a dingleberry, but he motivates well, and he recruits well, and he's got one of the better quarterbacks they've had in a long time. And I didn't really get all the criticism Joe Burrow seemed to be getting nationally the dude hadn't thrown an interception or lost a game, and his stats aren't clean and pretty because LSU runs the ball a lot, and especially when they are up 33-3 to on Miami early third quarter. He's getting better every week. He can run it. Um, now, Florida, I don't trust Felipe Franks. His numbers look pretty good if you don't watch him, but uh, I think he could be maybe have some turnovers this week. Uh, you know, I'm just going to kick back and watch my Gators. I, I'm going to be, you know, and I think it'll be a defensive struggle, but the, the total's down to like 43 and a half, which is super low for a college game and kind of scary. It's probably a pass for me. The U laying 14 against the Seminoles this weekend. This used to be the premier rivalry in the state of Florida, but it has since fallen on tough times. Mark Rick has the Canes playing relatively well, but how long is it going to take Willie Taggart at Florida State to get the Knowles back on track? 
Well, uh, boy, it looked really bad uh, at the Carrier Dome a couple weeks ago. They were able to get a pretty ugly win against NIU, and then Bobby Petrino just made one of the worst play calls ever last week, which was a, a big aid in them coming back. Uh, I think both of these teams are go against teams and are very, were very overrated in the preseason. I think Miami's still overrated. I don't like either either team, and it's a, a pass for me. Last week, Eric Dungy and Syracuse had Clemson on the ropes. Unfortunately, they couldn't close the show after 60 minutes of football as the Tigers roared back in that one. Now, this would feel like your classic letdown spot. After all, Syracuse opened as a six-point favorite against Pittsburgh. They'll be in Pittsburgh to take on the Panthers. Now down as low as three and a half. Do you see it as a letdown for the Orange? It's undoubtedly a vintage letdown scenario, but I think that's been overcompensated by the odds makers. Uh, I wrote down 10 on Sunday for Syracuse. Um, now, I get it. They left it all on the field last week. Uh, pretty exhausting game. But, look, they are way better than Pittsburgh. And unless they just completely sleepwalk, um, there's no reason why they don't win this game by at least a touchdown and probably more. And I love Dungy, but it's not just Dungy. They are improved on every every facet of, of their team. And, and I've always loved some Dino Babers. And I said all summer, their 4-8 and record last year was one of the most misleading final records you'll ever see. They never lost by double digits when they had Dungy uh, for nine games, and he broke his foot and he missed the last three games, and, and they got smoked in all three. But um, they had several games they could have easily won outright and were four and three with a win over Clemson at one point. So um, I, I'm okay with Syracuse minus three and a half. Maybe, maybe don't go crazy amount-wise because it is a vintage letdown scenario. But I'm going to trust my numbers and thinking we've got value with the road favorite. You know, you and I always talk about the big games on the schedule, and then we get into a few others. But you always hit me up on Twitter in the DMs with a game or two you want to talk about that's a little more off the radar. That's how I want to close. Georgia Southern laying about 13.5 against South Alabama. What should we be looking for here? Well, Georgia Southern is 3-1 and one straight up, 4-0 and oh against the spread. Uh, their only loss was at Clemson. Uh, they have just murdered South Alabama the last four years since they came in from FCS to Sunbelt, FBS level. They beat them 52 zip last year, 24 to 9 two years ago, 55 to 17 in 2015, 28 to 6 in 2014. This is the third week in a row for South Alabama on the road. Their losses on the road have been by 17, 42, and 45 points. I like Georgia Southern to stay perfect against the spread, laying 14 to the South Alabama Jaguars. Follow him on Twitter at VegasBEdwards. Check out the podcast, Games Galore. Handicapper and pro better who you can catch at VegasInsider.com. Good buddy of mine, Brian Edwards, joining us here on the Sharp 600. Brian, it is always a pleasure. Thank you so much for the insights today. They are greatly appreciated. Always fun, Joe. Thanks so much for having me. Have a great weekend, man. We'll see ya. He beat me. Straight up. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Including last week's upset alert loss with the California Golden Bears, we still managed to eke out a small profit with a 3-2 and two record. That puts us at 13 wins, 11 defeats, and one tie for the college football season. Three more picks coming your way right now. Game number one, it's the Red River Shootout, Texas against Oklahoma, Saturday, 12 Eastern, 9 Pacific, Cotton Bowl, Dallas, Texas. You knew this one was coming, so say it with me right now. Tom Herman 
in the underdog role is 13 and 4 straight up and 16 and 1 against the spread going back to his days as the Ohio State offensive coordinator in 2012. And guess what? One of those wins and covers came in last year's Red River Shootout when Texas fell 29-24 but covered, you knew it, as 9-point dogs. For good measure, note that Oklahoma is 2 and 8 against the spread over its last 10 neutral site games while Texas has covered the number in 5 straight Red River Shootouts. Hook 'em horns. Tom Herman, plus seven for the win. Game number two, Air Force, plus three, hosting Navy. Saturday, 3.30 Eastern, 12.30 Pacific, Falcon Stadium. The Falcons are out for revenge here after falling 48-45 at Navy last year, which is important to note because the home team has won each of the last five meetings between these two schools. Additionally, Navy has covered the number just once over its last six dates away from Annapolis, while Air Force is a stunning 17-5 against the spread over its last 22 non-conference matchups. This showdown looks more like a toss-up than anything else, so I'll gladly take the home team Falcons getting three points in this spot. Finally, Boise State laying 14 against San Diego State Saturday, 3.30 Eastern, 12.30 Pacific, Albertsons Stadium. San Diego State may be 3-1 and coming off a bye week, but there is some serious trouble lurking beneath the surface for the Aztecs. For starters, running back Juwan Washington is out for six weeks with a fractured clavicle sustained in the Arizona State game back on September 15th, which means the engine that makes this SDSU offense go is MIA. That's bad news considering this Broncos defense is one of the few in the country capable of slowing down the sublime Aztec rushing attack, which was on display in Boise's 31-14 win last season that featured 39 Aztec rushes for just 83 yards. Be advised that San Diego State has covered the number just once in its last five games overall, while Boise State is 4-1 and one against the spread over its last five games overall. Broncos rolling this one, so lay the 14 with Boise State. To recap, your upset alert, Florida over LSU, but we want you to take the points, the two and a half that the Gators are getting. Texas plus seven over Oklahoma in the Red River shootout. Air Force plus three over Navy. Boise State minus 14 against San Diego State. That's it for episode 136 of the podcast. Thank you, everyone, for your continued support. Good luck on Saturday. Be well, and to be redundant, best of luck.